This is their last Sunday with us as they are joining with Jesus to plant a church in Beaconsfield, Beacon Light Church. They don't plant the church, Jesus does. Yeah. It's not the pressure's on, not on them. Wouldn't that be terrible if you had all the pressure was on you? No, it's on him. It's his church. He's the head and he does it. And so we want to pray for them. Uh, Acts says that they appointed elders or leaders or pastors in every church. Titus said, I, Paul writes to Titus, says, I left in Crete that, that you might set an order what's lacking and appoint leaders. So there's something of an appointing as we just pray for them and stand with them that releases something of the anointing of yeah, God yes. as well. Not that they're not anointed, but they need more. Yeah, However you know that. So I'm going to ask Steve and Terry to come and some of the guys here. And some of you, I know some of you will have some uh, prophetic words for them as we pray for them. You can come and share them. But if you have something, if you'd write it down as well, uh, just, you know how it is. If there's more than one, it's hard to remember everything. And so uh, it's not just what you're feeling. It's obviously what God's saying. And so we take that seriously. Yes. Michael and Margaret, uh, in praying for this morning, I just got a, the scripture out of Philippians where Paul says, um, whatever I gained... I had counted as lost for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Not having a righteousness in my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may, his, and may share his sufferings becoming like him. And this is the thing that I felt for you here. Not that you think you've already obtained it or that you've arrived or that you're perfect, but we press on to make it ours because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it on my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. I think that's a word for you. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Yeah, when we were um, praying this morning, uh, praying for church this morning, I had a vision for these guys. That, uh, it was like the two of you were walking together hand in hand, like you're standing here right now together hand in hand going forward and the, the unity of the Holy Spirit was encasing you like a light and it was showing me that no matter where you go there are going to be dark places that if you stay united together united with the Holy Spirit you are going to shine light and darkness where darkness didn't even know light could be in that place and I just got, um, when I was praying this morning, Isaiah 65, 21 to 23. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree, so shall be the days of my people. And my chosen one shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain, yeah. nor bring forth children for trouble. They shall be called descendants of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. 
And in Psalms it says that uh, God puts the lonely in families, or God puts the solitary in families. Also in the Word it says that He is close to the brokenhearted. And uh, I just feel like God's going to bring you people, and you're just to love them. Love who He brings to you, and I feel like it has to do with the brokenhearted and the lonely, and yeah. that they will have family. Would you just join us in praying for these guys? Lord, we just thank you that your heart is for that area and you're wanting to establish your church, extend your kingdom. Lord, thank you that Michael and Margaret have made themselves available to partner with you. And Father, we just stand with them. Even as we send them, we ask that you would put your anointing, Lord, all the words that you're spoken, the light that would shine. Father, the, uh, the establishment of what you're doing. But Father, that, that there'd be joy. That they would just rejoice in the process. That they would rejoice in your presence. They would rejoice in everything you do. Father, we do send them with your blessing, with your anointing. And Lord, we want to partner with them in what they're doing, but we realize that you're the one who's establishing a church. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just pray your peace over Michael and Margaret as they go. Your peace that they can just go in your season, in your time, at your, at your pace. Yeah. Father, that there won't be any yeah. sense of striving, yeah. but just a enjoying. Thank you, Holy One. Bless them, God. Protect them. Watch over them. Provide for them. And establish your work. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I've got to get used to speaking now, you see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Just a big thank you to these guys and the leadership team here. If you haven't been here long, you've been here a while, you realize how blessed we've all been being a part of this church. And uh, just being a part of this and seeing how the leadership works here, and uh, it's been fantastic. And I know we've both felt that um, God's made some real adjustments in our lives since being here. You know, prior to coming here, I had a real sort of Taliban leadership style. And... Uh, <laughs> I've heard this strange new teaching about servant leadership, and uh, I know it's very strange, but it's really impacted us, and uh, <laughs> so we're going with a new vision, <laughs> a new vision and a new strategy, and uh, so it's awesome, and so we're excited, even though as Russ has often said to us, I think it's like a parent kicking out a, a child, so, you know, you are separate to us now, you know, you are, into, you know, and uh, which we are, but we love the partnership, we love the fellowship, and we're going to, we feel like we're still part of you in Beaconsfield. And uh, we've learned so much here. It's been fantastic. So thank you. You are in a blessed church. You have blessed leadership here. We're really sad we've had to come and go so quickly, but uh, it's just been fantastic. And I saw, I saw a picture last night, just quickly in finishing. I saw a picture last night on TV. Anyone watch David Attenborough last night about the lions? All about the lion prides. And this one lion, a young lion, went out on its own too far to the boundaries of where it should have been and it got encircled by 20 hyenas and this young lion was really powerful and really uh, strong yet these 20 hyenas were starting to wear it down it was just at its last legs I was almost in tears seeing this lion young lion about to be eaten by hyenas because they're such ugly things and right when it was at its last its brother lion, another male strong lion, must have heard the, you know, the whelps and the whatever from its brother in the distance, ran over, and two lions put 20 hyenas to flight. And as I just thought about that, I was just worshipping, I saw that again this morning. 
we, we go, and there's going to be hyenas in that place, but we go with all of the Trinity with us, all of heaven's resources, and we go with you guys praying for us as we go. So there's going to be hyenas, but the beautiful picture of these two lions, when they met, when the other one, it was, imagine, about to be eaten by hyenas. It was so happy. It was like they did this lion hug thing. It's like their faces were, you know, like this, and they were... <laughs> They were so excited, and I thought, wow, that's, that's how I feel. We're going, and there's going to be hyenas, but we go with all of heaven, and we go with you guys praying for us and supporting us. So we thank you for that. Keep us in your prayers. Amen. Wonderful. We'll keep praying. Didn't think this day would ever come. We finally got rid of them. No. <laughs> we delight with these, delight of these guys. We have a privilege uh, of having Steve and Terry Barr here with us. They've been friends of ours for uh, a lot of years. I won't tell you how long because I don't want you to know how old I am. No. And uh, about 19 years ago, they took over the leadership of a little church in Placerville, California, that has grown to have a huge impact in their community. Uh, Steve and Terry minister uh, in many nations. They're part of the NCMI Translocal Ephesians 4 team. And... Uh, he shared with us some things about temperament. Those of you who were there on Friday, uh, I hope you enjoyed that. But I learned a lot about Lance, so it helped me. <laughs> I learned a lot about my wife. No, we've done this. Uh, but I just would, would like you to welcome Steve as he comes and shares. Uh, he's a gift to us. Jesus gave gifts to the church. That's what Ephesians 4 is. It's not guest speakers, but it's people who have a partnership and a commitment. And these guys came the very second meeting we ever had when this church started. They were here. They made it a priority, last, which was all of last year. They made a priority to come. And uh, we've been fr not only friends, but partners in this gospel kingdom endeavor for a lot of years. So I'm really thrilled that they're here. They've been with us for a week at our house, and it's been a delight. Uh, we know it's the Holy Spirit who speaks to us, but he always uses people. So I'm going to ask you if you'd just welcome Steve and Terry. Terry's going to share first, I guess. Thank you, Russ. It's wonderful to come back. And you know how you, when your kids are growing up and you put marks on your wall every year, how they grow, and uh, just to have a visual um, image? But uh, wow, I am amazed at what God has done in a year <laughs> here in Launceston at Redemption Hills Church. Um, I, I love the worship. Um, I'm so thankful for uh, God, <laughs> so thankful for Jesus and his name being lifted up in this place and in this region. I'm thankful for just the people here, those um, who are running around serving so beautifully and um, with joy-filled hearts to serve one another so that God gets the glory. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture of what God is doing. And um, I'm thankful to Russ and Mary for coming here and <laughs> the, how God strategically puts people in different places, right? And moves them here and here and here and moves other people here and here and here and so, suddenly brings them all together. And uh, it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. 
Uh, Russ and Mary are have been our friends, like you said, for many, many years. And uh, and you are, I know that you know this, <laughs> but it's your privilege to have them lead this church. Um, Russ and Mary are huge capacity people that have ministered all over the world and continue to do so, although they've been here on the ground, thankfully, a lot for the last year and um, doing the work of planting this church and getting it going. But um, what a blessing they are when they go out into the nations. And it's good for them because um, they're using their gifts to build the body and the Ephesians 4 uh, ministries that they have. But uh, it's also good for you because you're sending them and you reap the same reward that they do. And then they come back and they're all excited, you know, because they've been out and doing what God's called them to do. So it's good for everybody. And um, they're a huge gift. Um, when they come to our church in Placerville, uh, we, we don't want to let them go. Uh, everyone knows Russ and Mary at, um, at Westside Church in Placerville, and everybody's saying, oh, give Russ and Mary love from, from home, from um, our home. So anyway, um, wonderful, wonderful church. As we were driving here, Mary was telling me about your new venue here, which I love. It's open and clean and, and wonderful, um, and no stairs, right? <laughs> Um, but uh, she was telling me about this, and this verse immediately came to mind, and I felt like God wanted me to share this. Isaiah 43, 19, it says, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? And I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And uh, I just feel that that's for you in this new season. He's doing a new thing. Some of you, he's doing a new thing individually in your lives. And he's doing a new thing in your marriages and in your families with your children. And he's doing a new thing as this community, as this church, this uh, local expression of his body. He's doing a new thing and it's good. It's a good thing. And jump in those rivers, those streams, jump in and be part of it. Um, and then what's the, um, the uh, verse that Steve read about forgetting what lies behind. And we all have stuff behind us, right? Shame, guilt, trials, tribulations, pain. But then also, along with that, in the past, forgetting the victories and the dreams and the wonderful things that have happened, the great memories. All of that is in the past, and then we strain forward to what God has for us. And uh, you know what? He uses everything. Everything that we've been through, God uses. So it's not like we forget it, but we forget it in a way that it doesn't hold on to us. It doesn't keep us back. It doesn't keep us from straining forward to all that he has for us. So I'm so excited for this church. Um, I just see... Um, Bigger and bigger, you know, not for numbers sake, but here's the thing is numbers are people. <laughs> Every number is a person and bringing more in to be discipled and grow in Jesus and know who you are in the Lord and, and to reach out to more and more people. So God bless you. We love you. So glad to be here. And now here's my very best friend.
<laughs> and my uh, husband of 45 years. Ooh. That's old, huh? Thanks, you guys. It is a privilege to be here. And uh, I, I, Terry and I both got stirred uh, when we came here. It's a privilege to see uh, a group of people, and you might be, this might be your very first Sunday or your second Sunday, uh, but you're here because God brought you here. I want you to know that. Uh, there really are uh, no accidents. There's a reason why you're here today. There's a reason why many of you have gone through a journey in your life where you love Jesus and you love his word, uh, but yet you're here today. And, and God called you here for a reason. I believe that God is gathering up when David uh, went out, when he was being chased by, by Saul. Remember, who came to him? Those that were in debt, those who were distressed, uh, those who were discouraged, uh, those who had fought and won some victories. But right then, at that moment, they, they needed to come together as a band, and they became David's mighty warriors. And I just want to say to you, if you love Jesus, this is a safe place. Yeah. This is a, 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 a church where people will tell you the truth. Yeah. They love you enough to tell you the truth. I think that is an amazing thing. So I, I, I'm going to cut out a little bit of, I was going to tell my story. I really love Jesus. That's my story. <laughs> it's all about him. You can listen to it from the equip. You can listen to it from last year, but... Um, uh, as a young, as a young uh, boy of 13, I remember the very first time that I worshiped God. I had given my heart to him when I was eight, and uh, uh, I, we were, my parents were, in a, we were camping up in Algonquin National Park in Canada, beautiful, majestic location, but we were on this boat, and I was just uh, singing in my head, because uh, it was kind of noisy, how great thou art, and... Um, you might think that's an old hymn, but it was fairly trendy in those days. <laughs> so, it was a new song. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I just loved God. I worshiped God. And uh, it, was, it was beautiful. And that night, my brother and I we were sticking our heads out of our little tent because all the girls were in the caravan, the trailer. And, and, uh, and we were looking at the stars. It was one of those nights where there's stars, just millions of them. And we said, what if when we were little, we really didn't understand what it meant to receive Jesus. So let's do it again. You know, so we prayed and said, God, if we didn't understand it, we understand now we love you and want to follow you and serve you. And uh, I, just ever since, uh, I've, I've been so thankful. Uh, he has always been faithful. I haven't always been faithful. I wish I had, but he's always been faithful. He's never let me down. Um, so you know what? Loving God is not just a saying or a slogan. It's not just something that we do or a club we join. It really is the passion of our heart. I'm going to read uh, out of Mark uh, 12 uh, today about what the Bible says about loving God, which is the most important thing. And then I'll, I'll, I'll dissect it a bit for us. But Father, I pray that you'd open our hearts this morning to your word. Holy Spirit, speak to us. You promised us that you would lead us and guide us into all truth. And we thank you for that, God, in Jesus' name. Uh, Mark 12, 28 to 34, Jesus is being quizzed 
and uh, a question by the, the religious people of the day. They asked him a question about taxes, paying taxes or not. And he said, give to Caesar what's Caesar's, give to God what's God's. And they asked him about the resurrection. And he goes, haven't you read the word? It's in there. Haven't you read the Bible? So then it says, one of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well. So he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord. Well, I'm an American, and I don't know how much uh, Australians are like Americans, but Americans don't like the word must. <laughs> like, you must do this, and we go. I, I don't know if you do this. I'm sure you're very much more humble than we are. We go, oh, we must must we? You know, that's, that's what I say. So <laughs> anyway, Jesus says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment, singular, is greater than these, plural. Two commands, one commandment, because they're tied in together. How on earth does the world know that you love God unless you're loving others? And it ties in. It's a demonstration of what takes place on the inside is how we treat uh, uh, other people. And Jesus said, all the law uh, hangs on these. Uh, one of the teachers of the re religious law said, uh, well said, teacher, you've spoken the truth by saying there's only one God and no other. And I know it is important to love him with all my heart, all my understanding, all my strength, and to love my neighbor as myself. This is more important than to offer all of the burnt offerings and sacrifices required in the law. You know, we often try to work our way to God. And this young man knew that this actually was not the, not the case. Realizing how much the man understood, Jesus said to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. I would love to have seen that. I'm going to get the DVD when I go to heaven. I'm going to watch all these things with Jesus just like, ah, like this. So uh, I don't know. I don't think there's DVDs. I don't think I'll care. Uh, but that's just how we think nowadays. You know, we can make things so complicated. We really can. And Jesus boils all this law down. Love God with everything that's within you. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I'm amazed uh, that believers in this day and age that we live in, in our Western culture here, of uh, such busyness, we're so busy and we're, we're crammed in on every side. I'm, a, I'm amazed that, that believers still try to squeeze Jesus into their already overcrowded lives. They're trying to make a place for Jesus when actually Jesus doesn't want a slice of the pie. He wants to be the whole pie. He wants to be everything. He wants to be the center of everything. And out of our love with Jesus, we can become the best husbands, the best wives, the best siblings, the best workers, the best neighbors, all these things because of our love for Jesus. And he is the center and... and um, I think the reason we do it is because we are squeezed in on every side. You know, in your Bible or in a piece of page, there's the white around the edges. That's called margin, all right? 
150 years ago, people sat on the front porch in their rocking chair the end of the day, and they watched the corn grow, you know, and they just sat there for a moment. It's called margin. We have very little margin in our lives nowadays. And Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, uh, uh, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When we follow Jesus, yeah, it's a yoke. Yeah, it's a burden. But it's easy and it's light. Finding rest in Jesus is not quitting. It's not quitting. Finding Jesus, I don't know if you've ever uh, gone river rafting before, but when you're river rafting, you want to be in the center of the river where the stream is flowing. You already have to paddle it all. Just a little direction tweak once in a while. You don't want to be near the edges where the, where the rocks are and the tree limbs and the, the hazards and those things. But finding your rest in Jesus is finding that slipstream of grace and, and being led by the Spirit and doing the things that he tells you. Jesus never ran. The Bible never says that Jesus ran. I'm sure he did run, but it never says that he ran. He was never hurried, even when his friend... Lazarus was dying. He listened to the voice of the yeah. Father. And I'm telling you that if we listen to the voice of, uh, of the Father, listen to Jesus, listen to his word, and do the things that he says to do, we're not going to be stressed out in our culture, but keeping him first. Really, if you want to get uh, the presence of God in your life, get your life in his presence. And it takes some time. And I just want to say that again. <laughs> Uh, if you want to get your life into God's presence, if you want to get the presence of God in your life, get your life in his presence. And it does take time. Uh, just once again, uh, Redemption Hills Church, this is a safe place. Uh, I just wrote a couple things down. Uh, uh, find out what God is doing. And God's doing something here. Yeah. We visit churches all around the world and we ha- I have not yet seen a church grow from, from zero or just a small handful of people to a church like this, a gathering of people who love God yeah. in a year and sending out another church plant. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. And that's commendable. And if you're new to Redemption Hills, you go, I didn't have anything to do with that. You could be part of it. Find out what God is doing and jump in with both feet. Yeah. Find out what God is doing. And, uh, and, and what God is doing in this place is, is the name of Jesus is the loudest name being shouted. Not the name of, of a person or a church, even the church or whatever, but Jesus is being worshipped and shouted. And, and fight for that. If you're newer to here, jump in with that. Fight for that. Fight for unity. Fight for, for working together. You know a tug of war where you have two teams and you're pulling on a rope? Um, even the winning team gets tired. Why not let's all drop half down and get on one side and just pull? We could go for a thousand miles. And it would be easy because we're all pulling together. That's unity and unity in the spirit. And so uh, I encourage you, become friends. And, and, and um, you, this church is to be commended. Russ and Mary, leadership team, you guys are to be commended here. But just a little caution, stay humble, because it's real easy to look and go, wow, wow, like this. But remember, only Jesus builds the church. One plants, one waters, 
Now they're cultivates, but Jesus brings the growth. He is the one here. And so we can do nothing to grow a church in our humanity, but we can do a lot of things to mess it up. And so let Jesus build the church and we do our part. Amen? All right. So Jesus says the most important thing, uh, uh, number one, the most important thing uh, is to love. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. And so when we hear the word commandments, we think, often think of the Ten Commandments. Uh, but, you know, actually there was 613 commandments. Because it's not just the Ten Commandments. Read the rest of uh, uh, Exodus. You'll see all this law. And each one of those 613 commandments had a whole bunch of subcategories and subcategories of other subcategories. And there were thousands. And it was virtually impossible um, uh, to be able to follow all those. But the Pharisees uh, were the group of people that tried to strictly follow all of those commandments and all the variations. So it's quite natural in the New Testament times for the people to say, well, which one is the most important? Can I start there at least? Because I'm not like these Pharisees to try to follow everything. And so there was a lot of uh, uh, wonder there. And Jesus was trying to simpl simplify it in front of the Sadducees. They were trying to trap him. And they asked him what the greatest commandment was. And his, uh, his response for loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind was, was part of the prayer that the, the people prayed every day, a couple times a day. And, but the second part silenced a lot of people. They went, what? Jesus said, and love your neighbor as yourself. And all, all of the commandments, all of the law hangs on this uh, simple uh, thing. And so... Um, that's a great summary of the law. That's something that you can teach your children. That's something that you can remember. Love God and love others with everything that's within us. Uh, the first four of the Ten Commandments deal with loving God, and the next six deal with, with our neighbor. And so it's not unnatural that he would say these things. He didn't say that we had to learn to love ourselves. He said, love your neighbors as yourselves. We already love ourselves. You know you do. You know when you're walking by the storefronts and there's a whole bunch of glass windows there and you're walking, kind of like do that? You know that when you see a group picture, when you see that group picture, I see this all the time. People take a selfie, they take the group picture, they blow it up, and the first person they look at is themselves. All right, we don't have to learn to love ourselves. We already love ourselves. God wants us to love others and care for others the same way uh, that we do. Uh, no, big number two, why do we love him? I wanted to make it easy. They all start with the letter B. All right. Number A, uh, because we're commanded to. We're commanded to. Jesus says you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. You know, uh, when we teach our children the rules, we teach them to obey. Say we want them to brush their teeth. It's not that only that we want them to follow the rule, but we want them to come to the point where they want to follow the rule. And God doesn't want us to just follow a bunch of rules. Uh, he wants us to come to the place where we want to follow him. 
Uh, the letter B here, because he made us. Remember I said they all start with the letter B? That's a joke. Because, because, because. All right. Psalm 100, verse 1 and 2. Shout with joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness and come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We're his people and the sheep of his pasture. He made us. Psalm 119, or Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. We know that God made us. We know that he formed us in the mother's womb. We know that he created the universe. And sometimes uh, people are sitting in a crowd like this and they, they might not even know if they quite believe in God or not or would receive Jesus as their Savior. I just want to give you some scientific proof right now that God made you. You want it? All right? He made us. There is design in us. It's not just an accident. You open your hand and all your fingers are different lengths and you close them and they're all the same. Open, close. Open, close. That is proof that God made you. Yeah, that is so incredible. And there's always someone in the crowd that goes, like this, you know, no, they're not the same. No, but they're different, and they're the same. They're different, and then all of a sudden they're the same. That's pretty amazing. Isn't God good? I know it's a little tongue-in-cheek there, but every cell in your body has a DNA molecule in it of three billion parts that reproduce and have all the genetic code for you. That is amazing. There's no such thing as a simple one-celled creature that you came out of in the primordial ooze billions of years ago. God is design has designed this universe. He's designed this world, and you are part of his design. He made us. We worship him. Because he rescued us, see, Colossians 1.13, for he's rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. And transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Wow. And some people have grown up in a Christian home and they've never really had a horrible crime spree or they're not part of a drug cartel. And they go, wow, what did he rescue me? Ask God to get a revelation of your humanity and say he rescued you from the path that you were on. And D, because as we know him more, we cannot, cannot help but love him more. He's almighty God. He's the creator of the universe. And this is Jesus who we worship. Colossians chapter 1. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. I remember as a teenager when my car wasn't working very good, I'm going, oh, Lord, you hold all things together. Please hold this thing uh, together right now. Says he holds all things together. And then when you study in uh, uh, physics and you study molecules and you study the nucleus and there's a bunch of uh, uh, protons, which are the ones floating on the outside, the electrons and the protons, don't like charges repel? You know when you put two sides of a, of a magnet together and they push each other apart? All those positive charges there in the middle, they're supposed to repel each other. But yet the Bible says that God holds all things together. Just something to think about. So...
Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He's the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. You know, Christ is the head of this church. He's the head of the church, universal. And uh, a lot of times you might hear somebody, maybe you've said it in the past, oh, you know, it's just, I'm so tired of the church. You know, Jesus is okay, but the church, we got lots of problems. So it's just me and Jesus. And that's it. That's, that's my church. It's just me and Jesus. Well, if he's the head and you're part of the body, you know, where Paul says each of you is part of it. Maybe you're, um, maybe in the body of Christ, you're the thumb. So you have a thumb and a head going down the street like this. That's not a very effective body. We need all parts of the body. Or what if you're the liver? Like this. You're not going to do much. We need the whole body, the parts that are visible and the parts that are hidden. But we all have a function. We all have a place. Some like to be up front. Some like to be behind the scenes. Some like to sing. Some can't sing, but they want to sing. Some uh, love the children. Some welcome the visitors. Some help set up and tear down and do electronics and, and do administration during the week. There's all kinds of things. Yeah. Every one of us has a part to do. By the way, there's a few things that most people don't have a passion for. So in my house, when we have to take out the trash, Terry and I cannot say, well, that's not my passion. I'm not going to do that. That's not my gift to take out the trash. No, we have also some family chores to do. So sometimes we just do stuff because it needs to be done. But most of the time we spend on our passion and our gifting. So he's first in everything. God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. Verse 20, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And then finally, number three, how do we love him? How do we love him? Well, the verse here says that we love him with all our heart and our soul and our strength and our mind. You know, God is an and God. Acts 1.8 and Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria or the uttermost parts of the earth. Did he say that? No, he said and. Jesus was full of grace or truth. The Bible says. <laughs> uh, I love that. No, God is an and God. Well, grace... If you're full of grace, that means you have a little bit of uh, leniency maybe, and maybe you'll see in between the lines, you'll see uh, shades of gray. And if you're full of truth, truth is truth, right? It's black and white. Well, the Bible says Jesus was full of truth and grace. Which one was he full of? Both. And they seem to be opposite things. That, we call that truth intention. They, you know, they're both true, and, but they seem to be opposite. Truth intention is like a statement like, can water kill you? You bet it can. Can water save your life? Absolutely. If you're in a desert, you need a drink, or if there's a flood coming that kills you, well, what does water do? Does it save you or kill you? It just does both. You have to reconcile that. It's like the wings on an airplane. Which wing is more important, the left wing or the right wing? They're both necessary, and they just kind of... They never touch, but they just hold you up there. 
But God's a, a, um, an and God. Grace and truth, word and spirit, Jerusalem and Judea. So here we have our heart. We're supposed to love God with all of our hearts. That's our passion, both outwardly and inwardly. It's, we're passionate about him. It's our center focus. It's, he's the one we think about. You know what you're, well, you know what you're uh, uh, most in love with? Is the thing that you think about the most. Now, I'm not talking about your job. You might have a 40-hour-a-week job where you have to do a lot of thinking about that. But I'm talking about when you have a choice of what you think about. That's where your passion is. Sometimes other things, other than God, slip in there. Uh, the things that we become most passionate about, to spend our, our time most thinking about. So we're commanded to go, love God passionately. I love the word hallelujah. It's halal, yah, well, praise God. Hallelujah means praise God. But you know what the uh, Strong's definition is to be clamorously foolish. <laughs> clamorously foolish. Why is it in our culture, guys can go to a football game or a cricket game and paint big blue letters on their stomach and spell a word with their friends. And we think that's absolutely normal. But if somebody dare does the, you know, put their hands up in worship, oh, they're radical. They are really, really weird, you know. And, and we can be passionate about Jesus. Be passionate about him. We're commanded to love him with all of our soul. Our soul is the part of us that's our mind and our will and our emotions, who we are. We have our flesh over here and we have our spirit over here. And this is where the battleground is. Who's going to get control of us? Our spirit man or our flesh, these kind of things. This, this has a lot to do with our integrity, living a life of purity and integrity. Uh, living a life that pleases God. And the reason that... Um, when we don't live a pure life, when we have sin in our life, that takes away, it saps our, our integrity, it saps, it weakens our soul. It uh, doesn't mean we're not going to go to heaven. Jesus already said it's finished. He died for our sin. But this, this strains our relationship with the Father and, and with others. And so this in, walking in integrity, walking with Him in, in, in holiness, and that's where our soul finds rest. You'll find rest for your soul. Isn't that amazing? He said, take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I make it lowly of heart. You f shall find rest for your soul. He didn't say you'll find rest for your body. He didn't say you'll find rest for your spirit. If you need rest for your body, get rest for your body. But a lot of times we're physically fit, we're eating right, we're, we're, we're in love with God, but our soul is weak and, and decimated. And this is where we love him with our integrity and our purity. Yeah. You know what purity is? Um, if I had a big jug of water on a hot, hot day, it's been kind of warm this week in Launceston, and you've been out hiking, and you want to have, oh, that's good-looking water. And what if I just went to it, and I went, inside? It's like 99.99% pure. Right? But there's, purity means 100%. Yeah. It means 100%. What if, what if I said to my wife, hey, honey, I just want you to know that this last year, I've been 99% faithful. 
That's an A in the school exam. That's good, right? It's a great grade. 99% like this. And we go to God and we say, God, I've been 99% faithful this year. Now, he wants all of us. This is loving him with the, with the place where the battleground is, the place of our integrity and our soul. It, we're to love him with all of our strength. And this doesn't, you know, just talking about physical strength. It's talking about are you stable? Are you consistent? Are you reliable? Are you steady in this thing? Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you'll, you'll, you'll faint not. This is, the, this is the thing that keeps us going. That's our strength. By God's grace, I will continue on. That's a strength that we love him in that way. And then we love him with our mind. We're commanded to love God with our mind. A lot of people think or. If, as soon as I come in those doors, i got to check in my brains at the door because this is just a passionate heart thing. There's no reason. There's no logic. Uh, the Bible says that, that God says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. There's, there's, there's this thinking, intellectual side of God who created the universe with his words. That's amazing. Our mental, factual, creativity, uh, capacities, our focus. We can love God with our mind as well. You know what? I believe that we all lean toward one of these in preference over the others. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. But learn how to ask God to help you love him in every area. In every area. And uh, because it's, it's all of us, everything. He's, this is the great commandment. And then I just have a little caution for each of these areas. If you lean toward loving God with just your passion, say if you leaned with, lean toward him with your love, uh, your, your, your heart, your passion for him, and that's all you did, the Bible says watch out because the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? Your soul, your strength, and your mind will keep you in check on those areas. And if you only love him with your integrity, and I'm living in holiness and purity and, and not doing any of the other things, you've got to watch out for this because you cannot battle your way into relationship with God. You can't just do it in your own humanity. Impurity and try to do the right things. That's what the Pharisees were trying to do. And when we live a life that has even the littlest bit of Impurity, it saps our authority, drains, drains us. And if you just love God with your strength, I am not going to quit. And I have a sour face on. But I'm going to hold on, come hell or high water. All right? If that's all you have, watch out. Because some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we'll trust in the name of the Lord our God. We'll start trusting in our own strength. And if you love God with only your mind, watch out. Because knowledge puffs up. But that's all we did. We become prideful. We have to love God with all these things. I think it's brilliant the way Jesus put this. In loving God with everything that is within me. So what do we do with this? Well, if you haven't already... I want to encourage you, ask you, plead with you to give your heart to him today. Yeah. 
Jesus stepped out of eternity. The Bible says that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. We're finite. He's infinite. We could not possibly know God. So God, in his uh, infinity, became one of us, a human being, and lived like us, lived among us, so that we could see what God is like. If you want to know what God would say, listen to the things Jesus said. If you want to know what God would do, look at the things that Jesus did. His speech and his actions. So our prayer this morning for the rest of us who have said yes to Jesus. Oh, by the way, if you haven't said yes to Jesus, you can say yes to him right now. Right where you're seated. There's no magic prayer in the Bible. There's no sinner's prayer in the Bible. There's people that gave their heart to him. I believe the shortest sinner's prayer in the Bible is Zacchaeus when he said, Lord. Jesus looked at him. And the moment that Zacchaeus says, Lord, his whole life changed from that point on forever. In other words, he turned his heart toward Jesus. Your heart is a compass of your soul. Wherever your heart is positioned, our heart was positioned toward our way. And when we say yes to Jesus, we position our heart to him. That's what repentance is. You turn around, start walking toward Jesus. You can do it right where you see it. Say yes. What that guy said up there, yes, I believe you, Jesus. I receive you. I know that you died for my sins. I want to follow you. Please come in and change me. It's that simple. It really is simple. And then, if you've done that, please come up and tell one of these leaders up here in the front. It's a safe thing that you did that. For the rest of us, I want to encourage us this morning to keep surrendering more and more of our life. When Jesus came in, when you said yes to him, he came into your, what in America we call it the living room, some places call it the lounge. You know, our living rooms are usually the cleanest room in the house because that's where company comes in. But please don't look in the cupboards, don't look in the closets, and don't look in the garage. All right? But just come in and hear it. And Jesus goes, no, actually, I want to come and I want to fill your whole house. I want to fill your life, every area of your life, every cupboard drawer, every open, every, you know, behind that door. I want to come in and, and, and be completely with you and in you. So say, Jesus, I want every area. If you don't mind closing your eyes, you don't have to, but I want to pray with you before him. Father, I pray that you would be the focus of our attentions, that you would have our hearts completely. I pray that our love for you would be genuine and warm. I pray that we would take pleasure in who you are passionately, God, and with our soul, I pray that we would willingly give every area over to you. Love you with our total being. And in our strength, I pray that we would love you and serve you steadfastly and consistently and energetically. We devote all of our physical and material capabilities to you. We ask that you'd sustain us in that love for you. And Father, with our minds, we want to Love you more and more. Give us the logic and reason necessary to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. I pray that our faith would be fully formed and not just blind trust, 
that we'd understand you and your word more and more and more. I pray that you'd train us to think intellectually and, and, and biblically in our thoughts. God, in all these ways, we want to honor you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks.